The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Welcome to Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. This is show number 51, How Our Energy Affects Our Animals, with Ginny Jablonski, about how we can deal with the toxic atmosphere right now during this pandemic and making sure our animals don't absorb it. I'm Charlie Kale, a passionate dog and cat mom, broadcaster, and Reiki master and practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I do Reiki and intuitive counseling for people or animals all over the world because energy transcends space and time. We can do it over Zoom or Skype or the phone, your choice. Reiki helps you de-stress and relax your nervous system to strengthen your immunity. So go to my website, charliekale.com, that's C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com to find out more. And now more than ever, it's so important to boost our immune systems. And while Reiki can help do that by calming your nervous system, the right supplements can do that, especially probiotics I use from Purium pure premium organic plant-based superfood supplements. I use Biomedic for me to boost my immunity and pull glyphosate out of my system. And Epigenius for dogs to do the same for them with the combined benefit of quality joint supplements. And that's why I became a team member and made them my sponsor. Go to ishoppurium.com, put in my code and get a 25% discount. It's Mind Body Pause. ishoppurium.com with the discount code MINDBODYPAUSE. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we will nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, and energetically. My guest is an animal communicator, equine medicine facilitator, inspirational speaker, and opioid crisis advocate. After having a near-death experience, she was shocked to learn she could telepathically communicate with plants and animals. As a retired international private security agent, this was not her background, but it launched her into a deep and profound journey of spiritual education and physical healing, which allowed her to overcome abuse, PTSD, and the effects of Lyme disease. She now focuses on sharing the tools she successfully used to overcome the debilitating effects of trauma for both people and animals. 
animals. Please welcome from Prescott, Arizona, Ginny Jablonski. Thank you, Charlie. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Oh, I'm so grateful you are here. You are a healer on many different levels of many different modalities. You communicate telepathically with all life forms, which enhances the healing. So can you give me a brief rundown of how you went from being an international private security agent to energy healer? Sure. Well, originally I was majoring in economics and um, real quickly, I'll just say that one of my hobbies was competition shooting and um, I was quote unquote discovered and brought into the world of private security because, well, frankly, they needed women and I uh, was very strong, very fast, a very good uh, shooter and I had a bit of, I wasn't a master, but a bit of a martial arts um, background as well. I did some ground fighting, etc. And so I was what they considered to be the perfect candidate. And certainly I would look good in, um, you know, photographs, etc. <laughs> and I, 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 I became one of the top two agents in the country uh, for the country that, uh, pardon me, the company that I worked for. And it was amazing. But after um, three years in the field, which is working seven days a week, uh, sometimes 14, 16 hours a day without a day off for months on end, after three years, that began to take a toll on me and I began to weaken. I wasn't able to run every day. I wasn't able to exercise. My shooting scores were declining and um, the doctors just could not figure out what was wrong with me. And I eventually, due to chronic pain and fatigue, had to medically retire in about 2001. Um, I love my job and I wanted to go back to work and I um, kept going to the doctor, different doctors and trying to figure out what was wrong with me, but I refused opioids for about seven years until about 2008, 2009. So they misdiagnosed or tried to diagnose or put me in a lot of different boxes that had me on a myriad of non-opioid uh, medications, including anything from, say, gabapentin to methotrexate, oh, yeah. neither of which are good for the human no. body. No. Pardon, no. I mean, I understand that there are certain circumstances in which these medications can be very helpful, but it certainly wasn't what I needed because I was just not diagnosed properly. Um Anyway, about, you know, around 2008 or 2009, I don't remember exactly, uh, my rheumatologist, who was one of the, the, the celebrated doctors in Beverly Hills at Cedar sinai Medical Center, handed me a fentanyl lollipop and said, this is your only hope. I really don't think I can help you anymore. I'm done trying to diagnose you. And um, so that fentanyl lollipop... Um, was the beginning of uh, really jumping off of a cliff. And as we all know that when we take opioids, um, whether they are an anesthetic or some type of um, pain management, you know, um, true pain management tool, it's a slippery slope. We, we 
build up a tolerance for some of them narcotics and for opioids we just anesthetize our pain highway our neuropathways and the body's still in pain underneath it all and the body just creates another new superhighway to tell mm. the brain that you're experiencing pain and so um, there's a lot of confusion about opioids and what they are and, and what they do out there but um, when I was in the throes of it, I trusted my doctor and I weighed about 105 pounds and I was on uh, ultimately 135 micrograms of um, fentanyl in a, in a patch, um, which is a continuous uh, feed of opioids uh, when I had my near-death experience in 2012. And um so obviously we don't have enough time for me to talk about all the lovely, amazing, wonderful things that happened to me on my journey and the things that I do now as a result. I speak out against the overprescription of opioids and how we can mitigate pain, and especially chronic pain, um, through uh, healing and clearing trapped emotions from our body. And I've found, to, much to my surprise, the same applies for animals as well. Um, like and just lot. so you know, I'm I'm keeping you hostage here for a few more shows so you do have time to talk more about it, okay? I, yeah, I, w I would love to. Thank you so Good. much. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, like a lot of people who have near-death experiences um, do, I went on a spiritual journey because I had never known what spirituality was, what alternative medicine was, what alternative healing was. I had, um, I just didn't know anything about it. And I certainly didn't know what a near-death experience was. I had not uh, been um, involved in that community at all. It's almost like a subculture. Right. And so, you know, you begin to ask, why did this happen to me? And you visit sacred sites and you start to study religions. But what compelled me was a little different. And of course, everyone is unique. But when I came back from my near-death experience, I began to perceive reality in layers. I saw the physical body. I saw the plant or the tree. I saw the horse or the dog. But then I saw the golden superhighway of energy, the chakra system, the meridians, the acupressure points. But more than that, I saw colors and I saw other energy centers that could not be described or explained from a Hindu perspective or from a Taoist perspective. And so it really propelled me on a wisdom-seeking journey, an information-seeking journey. And I would ask people what, you know, I'm seeing this energy construct, but it doesn't look like the chakras. What is this? And I spent quite a bit of money and traveled. And this was really a full-time job for me because, remember, I wasn't working. So I didn't just go to a few weekend workshops in a year. Every week I was doing something. I was talking to people. I was traveling around. I went to Australia and worked with Aborigines. Um, I've worked with shaman from Brazil. I've worked with Siberian shaman, Costa Rican shaman, Peruvian shaman, um, a Mayan uh, grandmother, um, and many other types of, of indigenous culture, wisdom carrier medicine men as well over time. And I didn't do it um, 
I, I'm not sure exactly how to explain it uh, other than I, I didn't just have a passing curiosity. I didn't do it just to learn because I thought it might be helpful on my journey. I did it because nothing I was being taught explained everything I saw. And the knowing and the sensing and the feeling and the understanding that I had, which was validated time and time again by the many masters and gurus and healers and teachers that I sought out and either studied under or received services from. And and that's really why and how I, I got to this point. Does, does that make sense? A true level of curiosity and, and thirst for knowledge and validation for what you were sensing and perceiving. You weren't just trying to trying to add certifications for validation, for outward validation. Well, uh, yes, and that when I was taught the protocol, the protocol wasn't what was needed. The mm. protocols were many, and, and please, there have been thousands of years of, of, of validation of many of these protocols, so please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to invalidate all of the religions and philosophies and paradigms out there. I'm not. What I'm trying to express is that I always saw that there was something more, or that if you took something from one modality and a piece of information from another philosophy and added it together, it then began to make sense and was more effective. I completely agree. It completely, because it's just like one isn't enough. And you sense there's more there. And, and you're like, how do I dig deeper? How do I find out what's underneath the surface? There's more to this than just what I'm seeing. So I completely understand. Right. And so as I was working with these amazing people across the world, they began to ask me for, because I was able to be, I was very self-aware. I could hear, I could see, I could sense, I could feel. Um, and they started asking me questions for them and they wanted to have a session with me. And then they said they had clients that I could help. And, and so I, I really begrudgingly sort of eased my way into this capacity because I knew that I was traumatized. I knew that I had experienced a lot from a very young age and I was smart enough to know that I wasn't ready and I didn't feel that I was clear enough yet. Um, not that I had a, a predisposition to certain religions or belief systems that made me feel as if I would steer a session, but that I felt that I hadn't healed myself enough yet. I hadn't accumulated the tools in my medicine bag by healing myself. And by all accounts, and from the people whom I very much respected, that is how we become a healer, is by accumulating this knowledge, internalizing it, and using it to heal ourselves so that then we can turn and share it with others. So I was really sort of on the fence with one foot in both worlds for a few years before I was really willing to accept money. I helped a lot of people 
over the telephone for many years and and was really only willing to accept, you know, 20 or $25 because I didn't want to put myself out there and feel like a fraud. I wanted <laughs> If I was going to come forward and say, I think I have something to offer you, I wanted to make sure I felt like I did and that it was well-rounded. Because I had met, and frankly, a lot of people who weren't very well-rounded. They um, were married to one modality. That's what they had done for 35 years. It worked for them, and they weren't going to move off of that spot on their journey. And my experience showed me that that wasn't my way. That wouldn't be my journey. My journey would be a constant evolution and learning and growing. And that those people who came to me would be on a similar journey. Yeah, it's like you took it from education into experience into wisdom. And when you I'm, felt I'm that. Still working, yeah, I'm still working on the wisdom part. <laughs> Because oh, it seems like, you know, the more we learn, the more I I get a little bit confused. <laughs> so that, that is true. <laughs> but, you know, that's why there are so many different healing modalities out there, because we're all so unique and different that different ones affect us differently and help us differently. And some help more than others. But when you're able to make it a bigger, rounder, fuller picture and experience, then you can really, really, truly help a wider range of people and animals and plants. And and I do now, I think, and that is why I have sort of settled into this self-guided niche um, that was not a, a goal or was not purposeful, but it seems to be my niche and I enjoy it very much. So talking about what's going on in the world right now, um, right now as we're recording this, it's July 27th of 2020. So we're still in the middle of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, as well as uh, lots of violent outbreaks across the world and protests, some peaceful, but then some with added violence that get entered into it. So the atmosphere is rife with heavy negativity. How do we keep that off of us? And how does it affect our animals? Well, there there really are a number of beautiful practices and protocols that people can use. Um, the Internet is um, chock full of, of videos um, with anything from yoga to Qigong to breath work to um, to mindfulness, meditative practices. I like to use a combination of all of it, quite frankly. Um, I'm not one for a lot of ceremony necessarily, but I do feel that the times call for, um, for some very strong intention bordering on what I would consider to be ceremony. And in fact, I have a, a recent experience with a dog that might uh, illustrate this, if, if I might share that. You bet. So I, I went to a ranch here in the Prescott area about four weeks ago to work with a horse. And um, I had been to this property a couple of times, and the woman's dog, who was a golden doodle, uh, I thought was a puppy because he always seemed to be misbehaving and running around and not very controllable. And on this particular day, he was just 
a, you know, jumping on me. And it seemed as if he was purposely trying to push me down. And I was really there to work on the horse. So I wasn't trying to listen to the dog. Um, I've really tried to develop strong boundaries around that. Um, though sometimes those boundaries fail me miserably. Um, <laughs> but it really seemed like the dog was trying to get um, my attention. And so I asked the woman, may I speak with the dog? And she said, sure. And he said, there's something wrong with my energy. I can't manage my own energy. I really need help. And I asked her, could we please go into the house and sit down calmly and try to work with the dog? And he said several things. Um, the first of which is, thank you for coming into my home. Don't I have a beautiful home? Look how big this home is. Look how much room I have to run around and see how big I am. I'm a big dog and some dogs have to live in apartments. I'm really lucky. And I thought, apartment, how does this young dog. I was assuming he was much younger because of his behavior, know what an apartment is. And I asked the woman and she said, well, I adopted him almost four years ago from a woman in a suburb of Los Angeles who lived in an apartment house. And he had said an apartment and he indicated with a lot of traffic and there were cars and he was afraid and he wasn't afraid where he lived. And she said this apartment complex was right on a busy street with a lot of parked cars and two lanes of traffic in both directions. And, um, so he was really happy that he had this room, but he said, I really would like to run. I, I live on this big you know, ranch and I really need to run. And the woman said, well, because of the heat, she had stopped running him. She had um, a side-by-side -side Polaris and she would hook his leash to it and drive down back back and forth on the dirt road running him but because of the heat she had stopped and he said well can you please just get up earlier in the morning when it's cool because i really need to run i'm having a lot of time uh, trouble managing my own energy and she said yes of course she could do it and he said okay but there's more and he pointed out the television he said there's energy coming from the television and the woman, you know, sort of hung her head a little bit. And she said, yes, my husband has the news on all day long, morning to night. And it's very negative. And she says, uh, you know, I, as a human being, I do everything I can to, to leave the house because I don't want to be around it. I spend more time in the pasture with the horse, etc." And uh, she said, what can I do about it? So, of course, I always preface this with, you know, I, I really don't teach ceremony and I don't promote the use of these things necessarily in my work. But in these cases, in these trying times, these things can be very, very helpful. Um, it's just not what I teach. I'm not um, really skilled and I don't have a lot of um education in the use of these types of tools. But the three things that I shared with her were, were a glass of water with salt in it. But we have to do that with intention. We thank the water. We thank the earth. We're grateful to the magnesium sulfate and the frequency and how it can transmute um, lower energies or lower frequencies. And I asked her to put this 12-ounce cup of water behind the television and get up every morning and either dump the water outside on the earth or because she has a septic system, she could, you know, pour it down the drain and thank the earth for transmuting the energy, the earth and the salt, et cetera. And of course the water. 
And the second thing I recommended, it was saging. And I said, does your husband ever leave the house? And she said, well, <laughs> every Thursday morning he goes golfing. And I said, okay, sage the house. And, you know, it really doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. But here's a sort of ceremonial way. And you start in this direction. And, you know, you go around the house and you have an open door window and, you you know, you say these things. And But you can say whatever you want. There's no strict protocol. And you know, as we've already established, I'm not one for real strict protocol. And she loved that. And then I said, do you have any crystals in the home? She ran around the house and gathered up more than a dozen beautiful crystals that she had accumulated from the desert in Arizona. And I, I, I said, this is wonderful. <laughs> you know, how often, <coughs> pardon me, how often do these um, crystals get put out in the sun? And she said, never. And I said, okay, oh. let's make this a weekly or every other week practice where you take the crystals out and you set them in the sun and you hold a loving intention and share with the crystal your gratitude for helping you keep the energetic environment of the home clear and for transmuting energies. And then by bringing the crystals outside into the sun, they will clear and discharge and recharge. And um, three weeks later, I went back to the house to work again with the horse. And the dog was a completely different dog. He was so mellow. He didn't even jump up, let alone try to push me down. And he even came forward and said, I can help you with the horse. And when we went and sat in the breezeway in the barn, the, um, the dog either had his his head in my lap, or he was lying at my feet with his head on my foot. The whole time my client and I discussed the horse's trauma. It was really beautiful. So does that give you some idea of some things that we can do? Absolutely. It's so funny because I do do all of that. And for me, I see it as sort of a fun crutch to help me um, use my own energy to help clear. But I feel like when I have feel like I have the um, oh, you know, the support of crystals and sage and water with maybe Himalayan pink salt or sea salt that it's it's giving me a boost. And then I feel like it enhances my energy to help with that. So thank you so much. And guess what? That time went fast. So, Ginny, you're not going anywhere. We're going to do a couple more shows so that we can still talk about clearing trauma from animals. Uh, we can talk about animal and plant communication and we can talk about your amazing horse medicine both what you do for the horses and what the horses do for us how does that sound wonderful that sounds fantastic you can find out more about jenny jablonski and her energy healing at heartofthehorse.us that's her website heartofthehorse.us thank you so much for hanging out with me on mind body pause holistic living for you and your animals i'm charlie kale and if you need some de-stressing and want to boost your immune system in the process then please email me about distant healing reiki on zoom skype or over the phone for you or your animals anywhere in the world go to charliekale.com and you can find past shows on there as well as on my page at empower radio thanks to my sponsor purium with their pure premium organic plant-based superfoods and for your dogs 
Epigenius for dogs. Go to ishoppurium.com, put in my discount code, mindbodypause. Thank you, Brent Carey, founder and CEO of Empower Radio, and Remy Smith in the studio in Detroit. Remember, no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you are doing the best you can. They know it. They chose you anyway, and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free zone. See you next time. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.